Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. Hello, my name is Rebecca Chen and I'm a partner with Ready and Newman and I'll be doing the conference today. Um, Shruti, can you start our first call, please? Uh, sure. Pritam? Hi, uh, Rebecca. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so just a quick question. So just to give you a little bit of context, um, I went to Canada last uh, in May with my family. And when I came back, my dad is a principal applicant for our green card. And so when we came back, my dad has H-1B visa, which is, he's still maintaining, but me and mm-hmm. my mom are on EADAP. And so when we were coming back, the, the officer said that, um, like since he's a principal applicant, he was traveling with us. Either all of us have to be on a like all of us have to be on visa like visas, or all of us would have to come in with AP. And then he revalidated both my myself and my mom because we had age four visa stamps in our old passport, so that's how we were able to come back. Okay. In, in like the old visas, not not like the old visas. And then so my question is, my father like our whole family is planning to travel to India in December. And so the question was, I'm under 21 right now. I'm going to turn 20 in August. So can I travel by myself, like back into the country with my EADAP card is my question. Yes, you should be able to. Um, yeah, I think just the officer you happen to um, have on that re-entry from Canada wasn't very familiar or well-trained. Um, yeah, because that's not correct that the entire family has to enter on the same visa class or you know the same advanced parole um it should have been fine for them to admit your father on h1b and the rest of you using your advanced parole um so i think he was mistaken there but it's um it shouldn't have you know too much impact as long as it sounds like they allowed you back in and then you can just go ahead and use the ead anyway when you're back here in the u.s so on your solo trip to India, yes, you should be able to use just use the advanced parole coming back. Um, I think they, you know, a, a different officer won't, you know, make okay. that same requirement. You just need your I-45 receipt notice and then your EADAP card. Okay, so yeah, no one would need to accompany me, right? Like my mom or my dad, they, I can just come back. No. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds good. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Hello? 
Hi, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. My iPhone expiry date is uh, 20, July 20th and iPhone 90, uh, I expiry date is 30 September. So what is happening? My current company is not finding the extension. So my question- I think it's cutting out a little bit. Um, what did you say was expiring July 20th in, in September? Uh, uh, I-7-9. Can you hear me? I-7-9. Is expiring in July? Yeah. And uh, my I-94 expiry date is 30th July. Okay. Okay. So my current company is not filing my extension. So if I move back to the India and can I apply from there? Can my company revoke my H-1B Um, You mean the H-1B visa stamp in your passport? Yep. Can they revoke it? Um, how long is that valid for? Uh, that is valid for the September, sorry, uh, July 20th. Okay. Um, I mean, the company can't really do much to revoke the visa in your passport, but it sounds like it won't be, it will also be expiring at the end of this month anyway, so you won't mm -hmm. be able to use it. Mm -hmm. So can they miss like a letter, I can use this, uh, I, I, oh, this I-797 and transfer to the another company? Can it, is it possible? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, before um, July 20th, when your current petition expires, if another company files a transfer application for you, you can mm -hmm. transfer to the other company. Yeah. After after July 20th, if there is some if I get and later, let's say later in August or September, can I... That is more difficult because you will be out of status by then. And the 60-day grace period only applies mm -hmm. when your I-797 is still valid for those 60 mm -hmm. days. So you actually don't have the 60-day grace period in your situation. Um, so if you aren't able to get a transfer filed by July 20th, then any other transfer filed later is going to be during a time when you're out of status if you're still in the U.S., so those can be difficult to get approved. If you are outside the U.S. at that time, then the time is timing is not as much of an issue because when you're outside the U.S., um, you know you're not here out of status, and so um, an application filed later, you know, it doesn't um, it's not considered late or anything. If you if it's being filed when you're outside the U.S., the only mm -hmm. issue is that then when you get the new application approved you'll have to go for visa stamping and that can take a very long time to secure an appointment. Yeah, thank you so much. And I do have that one follow-up question. So my current company is not uh, shared by I-797 original document, but I do have that uh, number, I-797 number. So can I download it from somewhere? Um, you can't really download it anywhere just using the receipt number, but if they haven't given you the approval notice, what you can do to help um, file the H-1B transfer, because we usually include a copy of your most recent I-797 approval notice. If you don't have that, but you do have the case number, we sometimes just uh, include a printout of the case status website with that receipt number that shows that the application was approved. So, thank you so much. Sure. Next question. Sonali. Hey. Uh... Thanks for taking my call. Have a question um, is uh, regarding my I-140. 
So uh, basically, um, my 140 with my previous employer, and uh, I'm kind of uh, my priority date is second December 2014. And uh, in case I want to go ahead with my previous employer and uh, file my I-485, um, because it's been a while, my I-140 got approved back in 2016 and I stayed with the previous employer for till 2020. Um, now, if I, in case I change, uh, you know, I switch to them to get my I-140 because they want me to join them to file the 485. Now, it's been a while, so my designation has changed. Um, do I have to take a like, you know, join the same role? I think it was on the LC8 was the software developer role. Uh, so do I have to join um, the same role to in order to file the 485 or my current senior role? Uh, I can join them with the current senior role. Um, if the roles and responsibilities kind of remains the same. Yeah, so, it's fine. It doesn't need to be exactly the same position that was described in your labor certification. It can be a more senior version of that position described in your labor certification. Um, did um, you say your priority date is December 2nd, 2014? That's correct. Okay, so you're aware that technically right now it's not current yet. It's like one day away from being current in EB2. Okay, okay. So uh, when, when you mean one day away, like uh, it, it was part of the July uh, bulletin when it become current, right? Uh, uh, let me see. Yeah, for the July visa bulletin right now, the cutoff date for EB2 India is December 1st, 2014. They haven't okay. released the August bulletin yet. Um, okay. It's possible it may move forward. Um, we don't know for sure. I mean, our guess is that it's unlikely to move forward anymore before September 30th of this year. Um, but if it moves forward even a little bit, then it would cover you basically. Um, so you'll need to see what the upcoming visa bulletins say. Gotcha. Gotcha. But as you said, like I can join in a senior designation uh, with the, uh, okay. And is there any job code or anything that I have to watch for? Because it will be, they cannot change the job code that is already there in my yeah, perm. It'll be the I, SOC code that is listed on your perm labor certification. Okay. It still has to be the same. Okay. Uh, yeah, and they, that definitely. also has to be, and that also has to be same. Uh, if uh, if I if they do a H one B transfer, it's best if it is. I would recommend it if possible that it be the same SOC code. Perfect. Thanks, Rebecca. Really appreciate it. Sure. Next question, Jose. Uh, hello. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. I have a question. So I'm a principal applicant and my spouse is a derivative applicant in, in a recently approved 485 application. So mine is approved, hers is not. It's been 10, 15 days since I got the card. So what happens to the H4 and the H4 EAD that she's currently using since technically my H1B is not active anymore? Yeah, unfortunately the H4 and EAD are considered no longer valid once your green card was approved because that also kind of nullifies your H-1B status, which in turn kind of nullifies the H-4 and EAD. Um, unfortunately, we have seen this as a kind of a growing pattern where 
the family, even though they file the I-45s together, they're not always approved at the same time. We haven't seen any issues with the entire family eventually getting approved. It just seems to be a matter of time for whatever reason. They seem to be shifting files around in the service centers, um, maybe splitting them between different officers who have different paces or different workloads. And so your wife's I-45 should eventually get approved, but um, it's kind of, it could be anywhere from, it, based on my our experience in our office from what we've observed, it could be anywhere from two weeks since your approval to like potentially six months. Hopefully it's not as long as that. Um, so hers eventually should get approved. It may just take some time, but yeah, unfortunately in the meantime, her H4 EAD is no longer valid. She is still authorized to be in the US based on the pending I-45, on her pending I-45. So she's not out of status, but um, if she was working, then um, her only form of work authorization now would be the EAD from the pending um, I-485 if she did receive that EAD. Um, so if she was working and she has that EAD based on the pending green card, she'll need to switch over to that instead of using the... Um, Okay, so I see that you said that you didn't get the green card EAD. Yeah, unfortunately, then if she was working, she will need to stop for now um, until either she gets the EAD or the green card gets approved. Hopefully, it shouldn't take too much longer. Uh, next question. Arika? Hi, go ahead. I happened to apply for my uh, EAD employment uh, authorization document. Uh, this was back in October uh, last year. And I happened to, um, uh, my case was approved uh, in the first week of May. All right. And I happened to receive my EAD approval notice, uh, I think just a week after the approval. Um, now the question is, my approval notice says that uh, um, the form I-485 has been approved, which is the application for permanent residence, which is the green card. And therefore, an EID card will not be issued. So that's the notice you received in May? For my EID card, whereas my approval notice says that uh, uh, the, the USCIS has approved my I-485 form which is the application for permanent residence. Right, when did While you my get husband, that Oh, uh, this was back in May. Mm -hmm. Did you receive the green card? No, because my husband hasn't applied for one yet. Okay, so you've applied for the EAD advanced parole based on a pending I-485 or is it based on your H-4 status? Hello? Sorry, I think we're having trouble. Um, I'll, I'll move to Yeah. Um, I'll fix next one. Shravanti? Hi, Rebecca. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, here's my question. Uh, I was on L2 EAD 
uh, while when when we had applied for the extension uh, my husband changed his h1 i mean his his l1 status to h1 status uh, so after his h1 got approved i've got a response from uscs uh, for the l2 uh, rf uh, saying that it's an rfe and requesting for the photos so we responded to the rfe with the photos mentioning that the primary applicant is no more on l1 and he's moved to h1 Uh, so what the USS did was he, it uh, uh, approved my L two AD with the present H one L I ninety four dates. Oh, um, did so you at any time? Did you at any time apply for H four status? Yes, along with my husband's H one, we did apply for H four too. Did you file an EAD along with that H four? Yes, as we did concurrently apply for H four EAD too. Okay, but they approved this EAD. Are you sure? So you have two different EAD applications, each with its own case number. Yes, you're sure. Yes, the one that got approved was the one attached to the L two, not the H four, right? Yes, yes. That is kind of odd. And the um the class on the EAD card um it's the one for L2, L2. Right? it's not yes. C26 which is for H4 no no it is not and the dates were dates are uh, uh the same as H1 I94 dates okay so the H4 EAD application that is still pending yes okay actually i it yeah i think USCIS made a mistake even though you told them that basically yes. uh, the L1 applicant had switched over to H1B. So with that information, actually they shouldn't have issued you the L2 EAD. Um, in some cases we have seen them when there's more than one EAD in process, they kind of consolidate it and maybe just, so it wouldn't have surprised me as much if they maybe just issued you the H4 EAD based on that information, but it sounds like they still issued it to you based on L2. Um, I actually don't think that EAD is, valid since um you're not really in l2 status anymore um yes. i probably would not use it um and just wait for the h4 ead actually yeah my question is is there any way that you know we can expedite my h4 because l2 they have applied which i cannot use anymore at all okay. um unfortunately there isn't really a way to expedite the h4 ead Okay. Right now, um, unless you are a member of the healthcare prof professions, um, th those are the only group that UCIS is expediting processing for. Um, other oh. than there isn't really a way, unfortunately. Oh, okay. I work for the public school, so even that kind of doesn't come into that. Yeah, unfortunately not. Oh, I just have to wait now for the USCIS to apply uh, approve my H four U D even after all this. Yes, I think so. Unfortunately, oh. um, yeah, I probably wouldn't rely on that L two EAD. I think it could cause more issues later, potentially. Even though it okay. was USCIS's mistake, really. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Sure. Next question. Vinay Agarwal. Hey, thanks uh, for giving the opportunity. So this is regarding uh, my passport. So. Uh, my H one B extension is approved till 
till April 2023. And uh, I want to know if I need a valid passport along with the authorized stay. Um, so yes, technically, if you're here in the US on a non-immigrant visa, you should always have a valid passport. Um, although technically, um, you know, if your passport does expire, if there's a gap in your passport um, validity, so far we haven't really seen UCIS take action on anything like that. Um, we have some cases where we've had to file the extension when, you know, a passport renewal was in process and wasn't approved yet. And so far UCIS has been fine with that, but technically, yes, your passport should is supposed to always be valid if you're here in non-immigrant status. Okay, so on last Monday, uh, I got a uh, notice from Indian Passport Authority that they are going to impound my passport, and I'm following with those Indian uh, Passport Authority why the why the notice was sent. But in case they go and impound my passport, am I need to go out of the U.S. immediately or uh, till I fix this passport issue? Um, I don't think you need to depart the U.S. necessarily. Um... Yeah, if your I-797, you said, is your I-94 is valid until 2023. Right. Um, I would just try to get it resolved, you know, before you have to file your extension. But I don't okay. think you need to exit the U.S. just because of that. Um, okay, just so try I to can, get it resolved as soon as possible. Okay, so I can work and stay uh, as a regular H-1B on regular H-1B and uh, till I fix the issue. And, and there will not be... Uh, yes, it, it, but um, if you are with your current employer who's already done I-9 verification, then there shouldn't be any issue because they're not required to come back to you and ask for I-9 ver re-verification until your current status is about to expire. If you are getting ready to change jobs, though, where you'll have to do I-9 verification with a new employer and they may ask for your passport, that could be an issue. Um, so, but if you're continuing with your same employer, then there shouldn't be any work authorization issue. Okay, and uh, in case uh, UCI has got to know about my this important passport, uh, do uh, uh, will that create an issue, or do I need to inform the UCS by myself that I, my my passport is important and I'm following with the authorities? I don't think you need to notify UCIS on your own. I don't even. Yeah, I'm not even sure what they would do with that information. Okay. Um, yeah, I would just try to get it resolved as soon as possible and get another valid passport. Okay. Okay. And in case they got to know about my important passport through some authorities, will they come back uh, on my I-94? Can they revoke my I-94? We've never seen them do that for okay. um, lack of a passport. Okay. And can I go to Canada and come back on uh, using automatic revalidation using important passport in case I have to go to Canada? I would not recommend travel until this passport issue is resolved. Okay. 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 That's all I have. Thanks. Thanks. Sure. Hi, Shruti. Can you repeat that, please? Yeah. Hitesh? Yeah. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you very much for your time and service for community. Um, I am October 2020 uh, downgrade to EB3. Priority date is May 2012, and my 485J was approved uh, on June 13 uh, this year. 
And uh, sometime in April, my application moved from uh, SRC to National Benefit Center, um, and then it went to the non-local FO. And then finally, uh, in June, uh, my application again moved to uh, SRC, so uh, Texas Service Center. So I have two questions in regards to this. Uh, first one is, do you know why they could be moving my application again? So like we have heard this from moving from SRC to NBC is pretty common is happening. I have not seen many scenarios where application is moving from NBC back to SRC. So I'm not sure what is that scenario. And second question is, have you seen any approvals that are happening from SRC? Um, yeah, we also are not quite sure why some files are being transferred back to Texas or Nebraska. Um, so you're not the only one. We have heard of a few other cases where um, a file was transferred from the National Benefit Center to from Texas or Nebraska to the National Benefit Center and then for whatever reason back to Texas. Um, so we have heard of of it in a few cases, but we're not sure why. Um, USCIS hasn't made any statements yet um, on whether or in what situations cases or why cases would be moved back to Texas. Um, so we're also not sure if it's just um, kind of a glitch in the system on in the case status website or um, I did yeah, get noticed, by the way, I did get noticed both of the transfers. Uh, I did get the so first notice came in April when it moved from SRC to NBC saying for faster processing. This time as well, I got the same notice that uh, for faster processing, we are moving your case back to SRC. So both time I have got notices, physical notices. Yeah, um, it may be that we don't know if Texas is finally kind of catching up on their backlog now that they have moved a lot of their workload to the National Benefit Center. So maybe um, the National Benefit Center is now kind of redistributing files back to Texas and Nebraska if they are able to take on the workload. Um, we don't know for sure yet though, because USCIS hasn't made any statements on that particular scenario. Um, we also have not really seen, from my knowledge, um, any recent approvals out of the Texas Service Center directly. Um, you can double check the website um, of uh, immigrationgirl.com. That's the blog of our partner, Emily Newman. Um, I think one of her recent blog posts is a spreadsheet of the I-45s um, recently from our office and what service center they were approved from. You can double check that, but I, from my recollection, I don't think we have seen many approvals straight out of the Texas Service Center um, as of yet, but we don't know. It may be um, just kind of as processing is developing. I mean, UCIS seems to be um, kind of very, um, it seems to be a very developing situation. Their processings, I mean, they've been moving files all over the place. They may, may be moving cases back to the Texas Service Center if they suddenly have more capacity to take on cases. Okay, thank you very much, Rebecca, for your input. Sure. Next question. Shekhar. Hi, Rebecca. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, mine is uh, uh, interfiled uh, from EB3 to EB2. Uh, interfiled uh, during uh, um, during mid of uh, June, 
and uh, uh, now I see my when I check the USCIS case status online, uh, it shows case remains pending now. I mean, earlier it was uh, uh, showing uh, case moved from Texas Center to uh, different center. Actually, I, it moved to National Benefit Center. Uh, so, uh, so case remains pending in the sense. Uh, mm, what should be like, is my case with uh, NBC still, or is it moved to any US, uh, any USCIS field office or? Um... Um, have you received a transfer notice that says your case has been moved to the National Benefit Center? Yes, ma'am. I, I received the notice in April of this year, April 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, then it should be at the National Benefits Center. From there, um, it could have been distributed to a field office, but um, it's not always clear from the case status website if and when they have transferred a file to the field office, I would say. Sometimes the only recent notice we get is a um, transfer notice to the NBC, and then we get like an RFE for medical exams from um, like the San Antonio field office or something like that. And that's the only way we know that the file is actually at the San Antonio field office. Um, so it may be at a field office, but there's not always a way to tell from the case status website. So we cannot say with this status, case remains pending means it may be with the NBC or maybe with the field yeah. office, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, how many, usually how many weeks you are seeing, uh, how many kind of, you know, after this case, case remains pending status um, to for the approval. Have you all um, submitted the medical exams? Yes, yeah. I have submitted the medicals uh, during my EB3 last year itself, EB3 okay. downgrade. And, uh, and I think uh, I, I interfiled to EB2 uh, last month and uh, during that time, my attorney told there is no need of submitting medicals again. I think so, mm -hmm. right? Uh, right. If you've submitted them previously, you should not need to again. Um, yeah, it then it's just pending right now. Um, hopefully, you should receive um, a decision by September 30th. That's all that USCIS has said, that they aim to process all eligible I-45s that are filed by June 2022 that they aim to process those by September 30th, but they haven't given any time frame um, besides that of how long it may take. Sure, ma'am. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, I can take one more question, Shruti. Yeah. Sudhir? Sudhir? Can't hear you. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, hi, um, thank you for this opportunity. I have a quick question, like um, like every other, like I filed uh, my EB3 in October 2020, then um, I got the EAD, AP and everything. And I also like uh, filed I-485J and also got the receipt notice. So in the parallel, what I did, like I asked for a congressional help um, after 30 days, uh, I received an uh, email from UICS saying that uh, my case is referred to an administrative review process. So is that uh, a normal or it's an, like abnormal? Should I worry about it or it's a, a part of the step? 
because I know like there is another process called administrative processing uh, for the Congress, uh, for the consulate process, but uh, is the same or uh, it's- um, What did you ask the Congressman's office for help with? Uh, just to know about my case status because it's been long pending. Okay, so it was filed in October, 2020 and you interfiled and now the party date is current? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what that message means. Um, it's It shouldn't really mean the same thing as the 221G administrative processing at the consulate. That's kind of a very separate process at the consulates. Um, I'm not sure if it is something that is part of the process between USCIS and the congressional liaison in their communication. Yeah, the exact wording says your case is being referred to an administrative review process. Mm -hmm. So I don't yeah, know if it's a regular template or... Uh... I am not sure, actually. Um, I haven't really... You received that message from the congressman's office? Yes. Okay. That may just be there. I haven't really heard that particular wording before, so it may just be that Congress person's office's way of saying that, you know, it's being looked into. Um, and, but I would say that for your case right now, it does sound kind of in a, I mean, we, yeah, we would all definitely prefer that it be expedited faster, but um, I would say it doesn't sound like there's anything necessarily abnormal in your case. Um, there are a lot of cases that have been upgraded or, you know, interfiled to EB2, priority date is current, and are just waiting right now. And um, so I think USCIS is trying to process as many of them as possible by September 30th, but um, a lot of cases kind of um, in your situation are also just sort of in this waiting period. So I wouldn't be too surprised if you don't get that much information through the congressional liaison besides that it's, you know, just kind of in normal processing. But I'm not really sure what the administrative review process means. Um, that may, like I said, just be that particular congressman's office's way of saying that we're looking into it. Kind of. Okay. So this does not mean my case like a black mark or something? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I haven't. It's like I said, it, the 221G administrative processing from the consulate is like a whole separate thing. Yeah. yeah so I don't think it's necessarily Just remind like RFE is received. Uh, I did not see any online status change also. So that's why I just want to check that. Thank you for this detail. Sure. Okay. Um, we'll need to end the conference here for today. Um, sorry we didn't get to um, everyone's questions. Um, if you uh, are able to, um, if you do need to speak in more length with a particular attorney, we do have um, a consultation website where you can book a consultation with one of the attorneys in our office. Um, otherwise, we will have the next conference tomorrow afternoon at 3.30. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.